On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, some final thoughts on Sunday night's Academy Awards ceremony, which looks like it's coming down, Dakota versus Power of the Dog for Best Picture. Plus, we are joined by Oscar nominee, writer-director Michael Rianda. His movie, Mitchell's Versus the Machines, is nominated for Best Animated Feature. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Get it at stevemason.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob M. Ronnie. Accident or injury, call Jacob and Ronnie, call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinske. Sue, it is Tuesday, March the 22nd. As we record this, it is generally known as Steve Mason's Birthday Eve. It is my birthday eve as we record this. Wow. I can't believe it. Like a year has gone by. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. And, uh, and and no bir- and no birthday party, which I'm really gonna miss. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. You know, we're gonna do. We've thrown some really big parties at the house. We are gonna do a Labor Day party this year. We're gonna go really big, gigantic blowout party for Labor Day, but no birthday party. No birthday party. Um, I, but everybody's taking me to to dinner downtown. Uh, we're gonna go to the Lakers game tomorrow night. Uh, my producer Greg Bergman is gonna wear a rompum and walk around the uh, court at least one time, a really embarrassing looking rompum with tacos and a kitty cat riding a shark that's throwing up a rainbow. He, he's going to do all of that? Yeah, we do the stupidest shit. <laughs> we really do. How much, he's get, how much is he getting paid? $100. Oh. The rule on our show is that you can... Uh, for $100, pretty much any of us will do anything. It's like one of the premises of the show. Cheap and easy. Cheap and easy, exactly. So are you allowed to say what you're working on? Oh, yeah, sure. So what do you... The, the yeah, documentary? Yeah, documentary. Describe it. Um, It's about a woman named Silder... <laughs> Silder. It's a name... Her name is Silver Saunders. Okay. Uh, Friedman, but she goes as uh, Silver Saunders now, and she is the ex-wife of Bud Friedman, and they started the improvisation in New York City in 1963. Wow! And she gets no credit whatsoever. Interesting. Everything, everything is about him, and she's a very, um, she's really a remarkable woman. Uh, she's colorful. She's she's 88 years old. Wow. And it was her idea. And she was a showgirl. She uh, she acted on Broadway. She was in How to Succeed in Business um, with Robert Morris. Wow. Um, she worked with, you know, some you know, huge names. Anyway, you know, she she launched the careers of so many people, you know, Beth Midler and Robert Klein 
Um, so anyway, she's reinvented herself uh, over the years. Um, she's a pistol. Yeah. And um, so we're, I'm doing a documentary about. Oh, her that's life. awesome. And you get to talk to really cool people for it. Yeah. I mean, I've I've we've interviewed, you know, well, ac- actually, Alan Havey was interviewed the other uh, day. I love Alan Havey. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to New York at the end of April and I'm going to get to interview Robert Klein. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Robert Klein. Uh, Remember, Robert Klein did our show in New York. I know. I, I mean, know. that's, you know, who he is. He Robert Klein. That's a legend there. That's a le- That's very cool. That's very cool. So, uh, well, good. Good. And when's that going to come out? Is it going to come out in theaters? Uh, is there a release date? Any of that stuff? Are you kidding? We, we did three days of shooting so far. <laughs> Hopefully she lasts. <laughs> She's 88. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to have you on when the movie comes out. I oh, you'll be so. here. You'll be here. In <laughs> you'll, you'll have to have me on. Yeah. So uh, Sunday night is the Academy Awards. Now, I just did last night. I did a podcast with a guy named Phil Wallace. I do it every year. Um, he's he. Uh, we did an hour and 15 minutes on the Oscars. Uh, it was like a panel of people. It was like four of us. And uh, we went into every single category um, and we had a great time. It was really, really cool. I was a little bit stoned while it was going on. So I might've screwed up a few things, uh, but for the most part, I think I, I got it right. Power of the cat, maybe. <laughs> Power of the cat. Uh, Codester. I said Codester at one point. <laughs> so it looks like it's going to be Coda versus Power of the Dog. We did this preview, but I, I since then, and, and it's out now, since then, Coda won the uh, SAG Award, the Producers Guild Award, and the Writers Guild Award. I now think Coda is going to probably win all three of its categories. Uh, Sean Hader for Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor for Troy Kotzer, and Best Picture. Do you think there's any chance that Coda doesn't win on Sunday night. Well, it's going to, it's going to win whether it wins every category. I don't know. I mean, Troy is definitely going to win. Yeah. Troy's best definitely supporting winning. actor. Um, and I think it has a really good shot of winning best picture. Me too. Um, I, I think just that, you know, I, I, it deserves it just on its own, but the fact that it is just an uplifting, you know, feel good film in a time when everything has been quite the opposite. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think um, it's going to beat out power of the dog. I do too. I do too. Um, and I think it's going to be a really cool moment when the cast of Coda is on stage and whoever gives the uh, speech, whether it's Sean Hader or Marley Matlin with an interpreter, I think it'll be really, really cool. Troy's speeches have been great. Troy uh, Kotzer, who was on the show, uh, Troy at the SAG Awards and at the Critics' Choice Awards was fantastic, gave a really cool speech. Uh, so I think those would be great moments. Now, the acting awards seem to be locked up. Uh, Will Smith, Best Actor, Troy Kotzer, Best Supporting Actor, Ariana DeBose, Best Supporting Actress, and Jessica Chastain. That was uh, when we did our thing a couple of weeks ago. I thought this could, any of the five could win. Like uh, you could see. Kristen Stewart or Penelope Cruz, or uh, you could see uh, Olivia Coleman or Nicole Kidman. Now I think it's Jessica Chastain. Her transformation was so brilliant. I mean, she was like unrecognizable. She was Tammy Faye. 
Yeah. And, and the thing is, the thing that I was really touched by in the film is that Tammy Faye always came off as a punchline. You know, she was such a joke, you know, from her appearance and, and just her kind of weird, creepy marriage. Um, (laughs) But she was, she was actually, um, she was really a a warm and, uh, and, and just a a beautiful person. I mean, there were just things that I learned about her that I never gave her the chance because it was obscured by just her bizarre, you know, exterior. Um, and I, I just can't, I can't imagine her not winning. I agree. I agree. Now, if you had to pick in those categories, Will Smith, Jessica, Jessica Chastain, Troy Kotzer, Ariana DeBose, best director is going to be Jane Campion. Best picture, I think is going to be code, but it, what, what's your best shot for an upset out of left field upset for best for, picture for, for the, for all the big categories. Oh, um, did you get that memo? No, I, I did. I did. I did. I'm playing along. Okay, like, like, good. like you're just asking me. Okay. Like I'm just asking. <laughs> right. So just off the top of your head. Uh, upset for best picture. I would say licorice pizza. Oh, nice. Nice. You know, it was, uh, it's quirky. It's, it's Valley nostalgia. Yeah, it really Um, is. It's, um, the performances were amazing. The script was great. Um, and it could, you know, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, he's due. (laughs) He's never won an Oscar. Yeah. Never won an Oscar. So if I had to call one upset in the big categories, I think it's possible that Nicole Kidman can beat Jessica Chastain for best actress. I love Nicole Kidman in that movie. I know you didn't. You didn't like I Nicole know. Kidman in I being the Ricardo. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I wouldn't say it's as bizarre to me as, um, um, oh God, here we go again. No, here we go. <laughs> here we go again as Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Because Kristen Stewart to me, um, I just cannot believe she was nominated and I really did not like the film. I didn't at, like the movie at all. At yeah. all. I I really had a hard time with Nicole Kidman as God, Lucy. I thought she was so good. I I just uh I just I just couldn't get around it. I, yeah. I just her look just I don't know. Maybe hmm. because she's she's Nicole Kidman and I just yeah. didn't I, I just couldn't see her. I just didn't see her playing that part. Yeah, I just um, bought her. I bought her completely. Uh, so anyway, I think that's that's not completely uh, out of the question that Nicole Kidman could pull the upset. So uh, I want to ask you, they do a thing called preferential balloting. Do you know what this is? Preferential voting for best picture? I don't. Okay. So what they do is they, if you're filling out a ballot, you've got to rank order the 10 movies. And then they, so so one of the things that happens is, uh, they measure, you get a lot of first place and a lot of second place, and a lot of third place. One of the reasons why I think Coda is going to win is that it's going to get a lot of like third place. Nobody hates Coda, right? Nobody, nobody's going to make Coda number 10. There are people that will really drop power of the dog down the list because there are people that really dislike 
the movie. So mm-hmm. if we were filling out a ballot, here's the exercise. If we were filling out a ballot, we look at the top 10, uh, which is Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, West Side Story. If you rank order your five favorites in that group, how do you rank them? Um, I rank Coda first. Okay. West Side Story second. Okay. Power of the Dog third. You really put Power of the Dog third? I did. Wow. You like oh, Power of the Dog? It's not so much how much I liked it. I mean, this is just, is this strictly on, on me liking it? Yeah, or liking how, it. Yeah, okay. like you, you, Sue gets a ballot. Okay, okay. All right, so, all right, so Coda 1, West Side Story 2. Um, I would put Licorice Pizza 3. I would put Belfast 4, and I'd put Power of the Dog 5. So you and I agree on the first four. Okay. Uh, Coda West Side Story, Belfast, I'm sorry, Licorice Pizza, then Belfast. And then my fifth is Nightmare Alley, which I loved. I love Nightmare Alley. I love Guillermo (laughs) del Toro. Uh, That was the production design was unbelievable. The performances were really cool. It's a great film noir kind of uh, kind of picture. So I I put that one uh, at fifth. Um, Okay, so I want to ask you this. Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, Wanda Sykes. What do you think of the three host thing for uh, Sunday night at the Oscars? Regina Hall, I know the least of. Mm-hmm. I'm not as familiar as her. She's not a stand-up. She's just know, a really I funny know. actress. I know fan. she's an actress. Um, but I'm not I'm not that familiar with, with her work. Okay. Um, you know, Amy Schumer and uh, Wanda Sykes are hysterically funny. Yeah. They are two of the funniest women around. And um, I think I think they're going to be really funny. I, I wonder really how how filthy do you think they're going to? I guess they can't be outright filthy because, like Amy Schumer, is a filthy comedian. Like uh, she's she really goes goes in. Um, but I I don't know how much you can get away with at the Oscars. I think she's going to go for it. Do you? I do. I do. I, 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 you know, look, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those crazy things where I'll give you an example. There was a um, ventriloquist many years ago. <laughs> it was, it would, it, it was, the act was called Otto and George. Okay. 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 And um, George was like really filthy, dirty puppet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. And he got booked to do a cruise okay. and, and most like, you know, most often, and, and maybe they have like midnight shows now, but back in the day, if you did a cruise, you had to be squeaky clean. So they got a tape, I guess. And, mm-hmm. you know, they booked him, <laughs> and then they kicked him off the ship because he was too dirty. And it's like, well, what did you think you were getting? You know, I mean, he's, he's like, like, well, I remember like he, I remember part of his act where he would look at a woman in the audience and say, you like wood, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> and that's kind of mild, but he was right. really, really filthy. So my point is, if they're booking someone like Amy Schumer, then you're going to get Amy Schumer. Yes. Yes. Like why? Why book her? 
you know, if, if that's not, you know, and then, and then be pissed off or try to censor or or, or try to censor her. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like Ricky Gervais. I mean, you're really going to, you know, try to tell Ricky Gervais. Tame it it down a little, Ricky. No, No. he's Ricky Gervais. He's not going to, he's going to be who he is. Yeah. I think Amy Schumer is going to kill this thing. I think she's going to be great. I think Wanda will be great. Regina, I'm not sure about, but each of them is going to take one hour. And I think one of the reasons why they're doing that is everybody always blames the host after the Oscars and says, oh, Jimmy Kimmel, you were terrible. Oh, David Letterman, you were awful. Oh, you know, now with three hosts, nobody can take all the blame. Right. And maybe with Regina, you know, maybe. And again, I'm not I'm not as familiar with her work. She's but, she's in a hilarious movie called Girls Trip. Girls Trip. I know. Yeah. I know she's in that. I didn't see it. Oh, it's but, so funny. But maybe she's the, you know, she's the 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 it's like cutting cocaine, you know. I mean, she's <laughs> she's she's cutting maybe that kind of, you know, wow. um, dirty not dirty, but you know, uh, you know, that 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 kind the, the kind of comedy that may you know scare them a little bit right she's maybe being used for that i don't know i right. don't know if she's gonna be as out there as they're gonna be um by the way first reference ever on the show to cutting cocaine <laughs> <laughs> i like it i You're like taking, it taking some of the purity out of uh some of the raunchiness that may happen. Yeah, totally get that. Totally get it. Uh, well, listen, we got a really cool guest today. Um, he is uh, nominated for Best Animated Film at the Academy Awards on Sunday night. Writer-director for Mitchell's versus The Machines. Really funny, heartwarming, making history with the lead character who represents the LGBTQ community. Michael Rianda joins us. Mike, thank you so much for doing this, man. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. Come on. Congratulations on the movie and the Oscar nomination and all that stuff. Uh, this must be a, an amazing ride for you. It it truly is. It's unbelievable. Like, it, 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 I, I really sort of wasn't prepared for how amazing it is. <laughs> so I, I watched the movie over the weekend and... You know, computer animation is fantastic. A lot of animated movies are now super hyper realistic. Like they don't even look animated. They look real. You decided Mm -hmm. to make a really different kind of movie. Describe the animation style for Mitchell's versus the machines. Oh, yeah. No, it's, um, you know, we basically the movie's about humanity. So we wanted to try to see the human hand in every frame. So we wanted to see the line work of of an artist in every frame and, and watercolor brushstrokes in the background, but also like the movie is from the perspective of the 17 year old girl. So she's drawing on the frame and, and, and doodling and stuff. Um, and it is, there's a lot going on. Um, but basically our North star was like, how do we make this movie feel like it is the product of, of humans and artists and how, because a lot of times, you know, with those animated movies you're talking about, you have to bend the art to, you, you know, the artist does a really nice painting and then you have to like flatten it to put it into a computer and then it looks bad and weird. Um, but for this movie, we tried to go the other way and sort of say, can we just take our paintings and put them directly into a movie? Um, and, and the geniuses at Imageworks who had done Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, like 
developed this software and and figured out a program where you know light itself is like watercolor textured and it, that I don't even understand um but it looks great um so so basically we just um we were trying to to sort of rebel from the way animated movies looked before and and try something new so when you're doing animation cuz i i i produce in post so i i've worked oh, you know scripted tv and and i've mostly done a lot of reality stuff and uh, you know we get noted to death you know <laughs> <laughs> and i'm wondering with animation because i mean it is such a specific art and if you're not an animator i would think that there are certain things that you just don't get you know sure. so when it comes to um the note process with mm-hmm. the studio, do they just really just leave you alone and let you do what you're doing? Um, that would be lovely. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, um, the, the notes process. I mean, you know, I think in a movie like this, you, you know, we had meetings about like what's written on the girl's shoes, like what her shoelaces look like. So there's, there's like, because there's, you know, these are big expensive movies and stuff and you're working with studios. They're like, well, we want to make sure our investment is, uh, is paying off. And, and the interesting thing was if you, if you're able to, cause like a lot of, I think, um, um, uh, people making movies sort of tend to fight with executives and say like, ah, they're our enemy. Um, but we sort of chose to sort of like take their hand and say, Hey, we all want to make a great movie that everyone loves. Right. And they're like, yes. So we're like, okay, well then let's figure out how to do it. And sometimes you know, sometimes the method, our method was way different than what they thought we should do. But ultimately, if we got results, they were like, all right, hey, fine. You know, the giant Furby works. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, so basically, um, it was, it was, it was, we just tried to prove it out with an audience. And, and if the audience loved it, then, then we all won. Who came up with the idea of the uh, Furbies? Because that was, you know, that's a great, great moment in the thing. And it almost... <laughs> feels like the kind of thing you would, I'm not saying you, you did, but it's almost kind of the thing that you would think of when you were stoned a little bit. Sure. Hey, how about, how about a giant Furby? Who yeah, came yeah, up yeah, with yeah. that? Um, well, I like to think we have, um, you know, we're not children, but we are man children. So we have them. We, we can access both the, um, uh, uh, the uh, artistic power of a man and the mind of a child. Um, but um, but no, the Furbies were just something, you know, I think the whole movie we we're trying to make as specific as possible. So like, you know, the dad is exactly like my real dad, because, you know, I think if, it, you know, in animated movies, sometimes it's like, oh, the dad has a mustache and coffee and a briefcase. And it's like, dads are weird. If all three <laughs> of us told three stories about our dads, you'd be like, who are these lunatics? <laughs> but like. So, so we wanted to try to sort of get across specificity in sort of every aspect of the movie, whether it's the art style, you know, whether it's the fact that, you know, Katie draws on her pants or is LGBTQ plus or, you know, Aaron loves dinosaurs. Like, we're just trying to get that specificity wherever possible. And this, there's nothing more specific and weird than a Furby. <laughs> um, and uh, and it, sort of, it sort of sticks in your head, you know, because I had one when I was a kid and it wouldn't shut off when I turned it off and it just kept making noises. So instead of going to therapy, I made this movie. <laughs> you know, I, I, one thing that I noticed, um, everybody in the family's nose is very pointed, right? Yeah. But the son's has kind of a rounder kind of flatter nose. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I, I was just wondering why, why, why does 
why didn't, didn't all of them? Because usually like when you think of your parents, you know, one, if you have two kids, one kid yeah. has traits of one parents and one parent and, and, and the other. Um, but the mother had a pointy nose too. Yeah. So um, Aaron's nose will get pointier over time. Uh, <laughs> he, he started out with a cute boy nose. And as he grows older, he'll get a horrifying adult nose. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. So one of the things I, I love is, and I, I read this um, from, I think, your production designer. Let me find mm-hmm. this quote. Lindsay Oliveris. Yeah, she's awesome. She says that the movie is a love letter to humanity's imperfections, which I think yeah. is a great way to describe the movie. Like, one of the things I love is that when you go to the Mitchell's house, it looks like a regular house, right? Like my house, yeah. I've got stuff scattered all over the place and I've got mm-hmm. notes and I've got my laptops over here. My phone's over here. It looks like an actual kitchen in yeah. those scenes with the Mitchells. Sort of d- describe kind of that philosophy, this love letter to imperfections. Yeah, well, that was, you know, before before we wrote, before we made the movie, I wrote this crazy manifesto, I think out of um, insecurity because we're like, but it was also out of opportunity because we we're at a place like Sony that wasn't, that didn't have formulas and didn't have rules. So we could kind of do whatever we wanted. And that was something that always drove me crazy in animated movies where I'm like, why do these people live in model homes? Like <laughs> I, it was the house I grew up in. There was like, you know, look at this. The audience at home can't see it, but I got Tabasco on my, I got a bunch of, of course, yeah. Um, uh, like it was just around my room. It's just, it's kind of dirty, you know? Um, and, and, and not, and not like grimy and disgusting, but like filled with stuff that I love. You know, I think like my house was like that growing up, you know, we had like this weird little, you know, you know, uh, pig statue that was like, had a, you know, uh, had a, uh, um, uh, what is it? Wooden spoon in his hand. that was like a cook, you know? And it's like, you don't see those sorts of weird details in animated movies. And we were again, like trying to make it feel as real as possible. So, so that the family dynamics felt real and the house felt real and the world felt real. So that when unreal crazy things happen, you're really like blown away and you're like, Whoa, what there's robots, you know, because if, if, if everything was kind of goofy and silly, um, I don't think you would, you would feel that surprise as much. Yeah, like I, I kind of came late to the game with with getting an Alexa. Uh-huh. And and I remember the first time I experienced it, I went to a girlfriend's apartment and this thing started talking <laughs> and I was so freaked out about it. And and then like during our conversation, I said something to my girlfriend and it just it, it kicked off something to Alexa and Alexa like answered. And I looked at my friend and talk about, you know, feeling like you were stoned. I I looked at my friend. I was like, who is she? And it's none of her business. And, you know, really started like treating her like she was a human. And and I said, you know, I was kind of getting into like a little bit of a fight with her. And I'm like, is there going to be a time where you're actually going to therapy with 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 these objects that, that talk to you that you have an issue with? I would not be, I would not be surprised. I mean, that, that's like, honestly, one of the things the movie's about is that, is that this technology is, can be really um, dehumanizing, right? You know, you're at your, you're at dinner and everyone's looking at their phone or whatever, but it can also be a way to connect you to each other, 
where you're like, right now we're on a Zoom call. I'm, I'm not in the same room as you guys and it's lovely to speak to you. Um, so, so it's like, um, so you, one thing we're trying to do with the movie is like find some sort of a synthesis with like, okay, this technology is around. How do we use it in a way that will bring us closer to each other instead of take us further away from each other? Um, and that's what, you know, they ultimately find out with Katie's movies where she's using them to connect and Rick is watching them and learning more about his daughter and, and they'd have a family Zoom call at the end you know, and, and, and that's all honestly what we're trying to do too with the artistic style and the music and everything where the artistic style and the music, you know, is pulling from, you know, 2D uh, animation and illustration and the music is pulling from like, you know, strings and, and the, you know, the most classical music you can make, but we're mixing it with crazy 3D graphics on the art side and, and, and synthesizers on the music side. So we're trying to sort of convey in all different ways that that sort of how how do we find a comfortable balance with technology because it's not unfortunately it's not going anywhere uh do you think technology techno well first of all i you know i i think of the terminator uh yeah. because you know <laughs> sure. skynet takes over everything uh and there's there's also this weird sort of Mark Zuckerberg type Silicon Valley uh -huh. guy who's kind of the mastermind behind everything. Are you making some social commentary on that stuff? Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, I think just in, cause you know, one thing that was important was we never made any of the people totally irredeemable or bad, but we are fine to make companies irredeemable or bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, cause it's like, you know, the, the person who's responsible for this company sort of feels bad at the end and has a little bit of humanity, but, but we, we never spare the actual tech companies who are, uh, I think evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they are. I think they are too. So I'm, uh, I love the fact that, uh, Katie is, uh, represents the LGBTQ, uh, community. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm gay myself. So it's, it's really cool to see, you know, a lead character of this major animated movie that, uh, that represents. And I read that that wasn't necessarily the original plan for the character. How did that, that whole thing come about? That's awesome. I'm really glad that, that you're like, Oh, that means that's nice. As opposed to like, why, why didn't you do it? Um, um, cause it's, <laughs> it's, it was, it was, you know, cause we, we started out and, you know, like I said in the beginning, we're, we're always like trying to come in from a place of observation and we're, you know, Katie's based on a lot of people. It's like sort of based on me going to art school and my sister, who's really funny. Um, but also, you know, it's based on a lot of um, kids we went to art school with, and a lot of them were queer. And then the artists on the uh, uh, the artists on the movie, uh, many of which were LGBTQ plus, um, were like, "Wait, is Katie gay? She seems gay, right?" And and we're like, uh, it, it, "You know, well, we based her on a lot of." And they're like, "I was like, it, would that be okay?" And they're like, "Yes, do it. Go. You have an opportunity. Make the most of it." So. We work with them and, and, and we work with the, you know, people in the community. And, and it was really nice because they were like, well, one of the artists was like, well, my eyes are, um, you know, green and my hair is blonde and I like girls and I like rock climbing. And those are all just parts about me. And none of them are like important, the most important thing in the world. Yeah, I love that it wasn't yeah. a gigantic deal, that it wasn't something that defined her as as a person. It was it was subtle. I mean, it was, you know, it was just sort of matter of fact, which I loved. Yeah, no, and that's, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that that hit because, because that was, that was something that almost every, every one of our coworkers that was, that was LGBTQ plus was, would say is like, just make it not a big deal. 
Um, you know, because Abby Jacobson, the person who um, voices her, is also bi, um, and she that 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 was that was definitely her advice. Um, so I'm 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 glad I'm glad that it means something to people, and and hopefully it you know opens the door for more movies to do it in the future. You know, because it should be you 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 everyone should be represented and everyone should be, you know, cause one of our artists was like, if I saw this when I was a little girl, maybe I would have felt less alone. And I was like, <gasps> you know, like it's, it's like the saddest thing in the world. And, and hopefully we can make a world where those, those kids don't feel alone. The voicing uh, is, is just great. And I got to tell you, Olivia Coleman, ah, genius, yeah, genius as pal. And would, so when, when, when you were, you know, writing the film, um, did you always have her in mind? No, actually, you know, it's funny it, that pal was a man for a long time and, it, and the character was really boring. Um, and we were just trying to find a voice to make, uh, to make, to make the character more interesting. <laughs> as soon as we started writing it, like kind of, uh, Olivia Coleman, it got hilarious all of a sudden and the, everything started working and we we're like, Oh my God, well, we'll just get her. And then right as we're about to offer her, she got nominated for an Oscar and I'm like, Oh God. She's never going to say yes if she gets the Oscar. I was hoping for her that she got the Oscar, but for us that she didn't, because I was like, she'll never say yes. But she got the Oscar and she said yes. Um, and she's she's wonderful. Um, and uh, she 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 I, you could not ask for a better actor in the world. Like every time we record with her, someone is like, oh, my God, she's <laughs> I can't believe this. You know, because sometimes you'll write lines like, um, you know, because we're always trying to iterate and, and do new versions of things. So we'll just write a bunch of new lines the night before, like kind of sleepless and crazed and like, maybe one of these will work. And every single line, no matter how bad it is, she would read it and you're like, that sounded incredible. <laughs> like she has the power to make um, bad dialogue great. So my dogs all talk in animated voices. <laughs> uh, they and they have full on conversations all the time. Um, I love it. You've got such a, a great voice cast with Abby, who you mentioned, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Olivia, Cole, and you. Oh, and that's you. right. Sure. How do you how do you develop the voice for for a character? Um, that's interesting. I mean, you know, I, I think one thing that's really important is that these characters feel. Um, feel alive and feel um, like observed. Um, so, so honestly, the voice of Aaron came from uh, my friend, Matt. Uh, we did it like, like uh, uh, he has sort of like this like sassy, um, but yet innocent uh, 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 quality to him. Um, and he is really sweet and really vulnerable. Um, and it's, 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 it was such a love, it was such a lovable personality that I would do that in the scratch recordings. Like I would sort of do all the voices, um, before any of the actors came in just because I was in the edit bay and I would be like, all right, uh, this is Rick. Hey, how's it going? I'm Rick. No, I'm Linda. You know, like it, it wasn't that bad, but, um, but, uh, but then the oddly the Aaron voice just stuck, even though I am a, uh, 37 year old man, <laughs> not a child. <laughs> um, but it ended up being the, the voice that sort of um, audiences like the most um, out of, out of a bunch of different people who are really great. Like if you saw the people who we, other people we had, we'd be like, Oh, why didn't you pick one of them? Um, and they were wonderful. But, um, but for some reason their voice just didn't stick to the screen as much. I think it's because I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I have a two um, 
siblings that are 10 years older and they went to college and I was really sad. And I still have those feelings of vulnerable little brother energy Aww. piercing through. <laughs> That's sweet. So you guys, I mean, Sunday night, you're going to be on the red carpet at the Academy Awards. Yeah. Uh, which has got to be just crazy. And, you know, I think you've got a real chance to win. Um, oh, that, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Are you going to be? It's a really wonderful group of films. So I, it really is. It's a, it's a, among them is really, nice. it's a, it's a beautiful category. I like all of them. Um, but will you write a speech in advance? Will you be one of those guys who goes up and says, I'm completely unprepared? Or will you have a piece of paper that you pull out of your pocket? Uh, oh, no, how, how are you going to play? What, what, what do I got here, baby? Oh, there you uh, go. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm holding up. I'm holding up a speech to another award that we didn't get. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, um, uh, I think, um, no, I definitely think, I, I mean, uh, one of the sort of tenets of this movie is to be manically, psychotically overprepared for every contingency. Um, so uh, we, we have done that. <laughs> Excellent. And, and it's been really nice, you know, because we've won, we've won Annie Awards and the Critics' Choice Awards and, and, um, and a bunch of different Critics' Awards and stuff. So it's, it's, we feel like incredibly lucky already. So um, whatever happens. Now, do you have a really fancy tux that people are going to talk about when, when you're on the red carpet? I, I actually, I don't have, my tux is normal, but I have a, um, I have a banner that has the entire crew on it. Nice. These oh. people made the movie and it's all their baby pictures and stuff. Um, I don't have it with me, but, um, but I will be, I will be rocking that on the red carpet. Oh, you know, cool. one thing I forgot to ask, how, how does your family feel? Cause I, I, one of the things I love about it is, you know, everybody's family's weird. I mean, it, Sue and I can tell stories all day about how weird our families are. Yeah. Um, absolutely. How does your family feel about this idea that they've been translated into these characters on film? Well, my dad is like, um, you know, the guys at the Elks club are talking. Why, why did you have to make it look exactly like me? <laughs> um, so, uh, so the, because Rick looks exactly like my dad. Um, but, um, uh, my mom is sort of like, you made her too nice. I mean, her. <laughs> um, she's kind of a badass though. You yeah, said. no, it's, I, I think she really is a common, Linda is a combination of my aunt who's a real positive, Hey everybody, let's have a great time. And my mom who is, is really wonderful, but, but, but like, if you get in the way of her child getting into the right third grade class, she will come at you like a battering ram. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, but they are they are really wonderfully proud, um, uh, nicely. You know, I think I think sort of you know the arc of the movie in is in many ways this arc that I went through when I was in my twenties, where they sort of were initially really hesitant and like, oh my god, you should go to real estate school or something. Oh Jesus. Oh God, it's not going to work. Um, uh, and, and sort of, they eventually sort of made their peace with it. And, um, and they're really super proud, which is nice. They cried at the premiere, um, which I've caught on video. (laughs) Yeah. I I think when you're, when you're a a child and, and you're in, and you go into the arts, I think your family is always bracing themselves as like, you know, I stand up for a very long time and everybody was always like, Oh God, don't put me in your act. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I, I, how can I not? I talk about my life. You're yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, totally. You're in it. 
You know, you got grandfathered in. There's no way in the world. There's no way out here. But it was funny. I was reading your, you know, I always look up, you know, Wikipedia because uh-huh. and, and always like fun facts about people that we have on the show because they always say so silly things. So they, they said something about how you attended California Institute of the Arts after you drew and said amusing things. <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird, that's, that's a, yeah, that is from my bio that I wrote. Um, but I, the, the, the full thing is, um, uh, the kids at school found me to be a loser, but one that one that said and drew amusing things and was thus deemed acceptable, um, which was <laughs> okay. my uh, which was my arc in, in grade school. It was like, who is this guy? And I was like, what if I draw Mister uh, Mister Virengo? And they're like, all right, you're you're cool. <laughs> well, all of that has uh, has paid off. Uh, the movie is The Mitchells versus the Machines. It is streaming on Netflix now. Great movie for the whole fan, and just as a grown up, great movie. Uh, just fun and entertaining and uh, looks really cool. Congratulations again and have a great time uh, at the Oscars, Mike. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was wonderful to talk to you guys. And I will. We'll have a blast. You'll see me partying out there. There you have it. The Mitchells versus the Machines. Now that Mike is gone, we can say it's really down to Encanto and the Mitchells versus the Machines. And I, you know, I, I think there's a groundswell for for his movie yeah i think he's gaining you know i think he's coming around the bend here and i think he's uh you know it's i think it's going to be a photo finish (laughs) yeah i do too i do too it's it's fun um i uh and i love the sort of statement about technology the idea that technology it can be really bad (laughs) it can it can really ruin the world but at the same time, if you use it the right way, mm-hmm. it's it's on the it's it's plus. It's a it's a good thing if you use it the right way. I don't know if you ever heard this, but Woody, you're Allen, kind of technophobe, by the way. I'm not. I'm not a technophobe. I think you're. Te- I think you're afraid of technology. You're afraid. You were. I'm you not, even I'm said not, you're afraid of Alexa. I'm not afraid of her. I have her now. I'm actually. I've actually warmed up to her <laughs> really? and, and, and the thing is I'm very polite. <laughs> like I, when I ask her to do something, I always say, please. Yes. And then sometimes if Tom says, you know, walks in the door, it's like, Alexa, stop. Like the way he says it, I'm like, can you just be a little nicer to, <laughs> nicer to the you machine? Yeah. But I don't know if you ever heard this bit, but you have to look it up. Woody okay. Allen did a very, very funny bit about the inanimate objects in his house. And he talks about like, you know, like I have a tape recorder I paid $150 for. And as I talk to it, it goes, I know, I know. know? (laughs) But he had like a rebellion with all of the objects in his house. And he he actually called a meeting. He had his refrigerator, he had his blender, he had his toaster. he He had them all in the living room when he talked to them. It is so funny. You have to find it. Okay, but it really is it. the it, it really is the ultimate of of having a relationship with your appliances. So I think that uh, my phone I use all the time, right? Siri. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so okay, so here you go. Siri. <laughs> so this is this is the it's truth. like Tarjay. So so every right everybody's got Siri on their phone. I always pronounce it Siri because I think I've got a different 
person. Um, in there. Person. I've got, I've got the classier version of Siri. I've got her classy sister, Siri. Does she speak another language? Does she hey, speak Siri. Like- Call Sue Kalinsky mobile. Calling Sue Kalinsky mobile. See, I mean, I she answers to Siri. <laughs> Very classy. Does, does she answer to Siri? I, I've never tried it. I just, oh, I you choose don't, to. You don't want it. Yeah, you, you, you don't she's, want to She's her. upscale, my upscale personal assistant. Uh, well, listen, there you have it. There's your Culture Pop podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify. You can always find it at Steve Mason. I'm sorry, not at Steve Mason. You can always find it at stevemason.com is what I meant to say. Uh, and uh, subscribe, uh, rate us, review us, all that kind of stuff. Sue, great seeing you. Enjoy the Academy Awards. You too. And we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast.